Hello, I'm Tom Moan, and today I'm beginning an old and yet continuing adventure. In 1968, my family and I returned to Tulsa, where I became the general manager of KORUFM and Oral Roberts, radio announcer. At that time, from 1968 until March of 71, I had a daily program entitled Good Morning, Brother Pilgrim. And now, after 50 years, I'm resurrecting it with a new title, Good Morning, Fellow Pilgrim. And a pilgrim is a person who's on a journey, and in this case, a journey of the kingdom of God on earth as Jesus prayed. So I hope you'll join me as we look into the past, the present, and the future. This is the Good Morning Fellow Program podcast with Tom Moan for May 11th, 2020. Hello and good morning, fellow pilgrims. I pray that by the Holy Spirit, you are embracing the Lord Jesus Christ in these endemic times, and that as you embrace He in the kingdom of God and receive your daily bread, you will not let the enemy frighten you with what's going on in the world and the sickness and the agony that's going on, but you will have a God-given hope that will bring you through this time and that you will give a testimony to those who are so frightened and fearful. You will be free. Some of our brethren have died during this epidemic, but in their death they have proclaimed Jesus Christ and went through it without fear, saying, Thank you, Lord. I guess my time is coming. It's all right. No fear, no hopelessness, but living in hope. Well, today I want to take a totally different tact, if I might. Years and years ago, I had a dear friend whose name was Dewey. I won't tell you his last name. I wouldn't want to embarrass you. There are a lot of Deweys out there. But he had a passion for a particular portion of Scripture that he and I just loved together. And we would sometimes get together and have a cup of coffee and sit and read this text to ourselves out of as many versions as we could find. And I'm just going to continue to read this week as I did last week out of the Passion, which is a new translation, and I really have come to appreciate it. And the text that my friend and I would often talk about comes from the first chapter of Romans. First chapter of Romans. And I'm going to pick it up after Paul talks about his commission to the, to the world is to preach the good news. And uh, he said it's the fulfillment of the hope promised to us by many prophecies found in the scriptures. For the gospel's all about God's son. As a man, he descended from David. And now Jesus, our Lord and our Messiah, through him a joy-producing grace cascaded into us, empowering us with a gift of apostleship so that we can win people from every nation into a faithful commitment to Jesus to bring honor to his name. And you are among the chosen ones who receive the call to belong to Jesus, the anointed one. This is Paul's introduction to the letter to the church at Rome. He'd never been there, but really wanted to go. He'd heard their testimony and he wanted to receive something from them. He felt he had something to give to them. And I want now, after this time, I'm going to pick it up a few verses down. I'm going to read again from Romans 1, 
that my friend and I just absolutely loved together so much. And I'm going to pick it up. I believe it's about verse uh, 10. My desire and constant prayer is that I will succeed in coming to you according to the plan and timing of God. I yearn to come and be face to face with you and get to know you. For I long to impart to you some spiritual gift that will empower you to stand strong in your faith. Now this means that when we come together and are side by side, something wonderful will be released. We can expect to be encouraged and co-comforted by each other's faith. So my dear brothers and sisters, please don't interpret my failure to visit as an indifference. And then down, picking it up in verse 16. I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved, the Jew first, and then people everywhere. This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says, we are right with God through life-giving faith. Not a marvelous translation. And then here is the portion that my friend and I would read together and at times would get awfully emotional about. And I'm not saying that emotional therefore dictates the reality. It's just that emotion just seemed to flow out of us as we pondered the words of Paul, beginning in verse 18. For God in heaven unveils his holy anger, breaking forth, against every form of sin, both toward ungodliness that lives in hearts and evil actions. For the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively, for God has embedded that knowledge inside every human heart. Opposition to truth cannot be excused on the basis of ignorance because from the creation of the world, the invisible qualities of God's nature have been made visible, such as his eternal power and transcendence. He has made his wonderful attributes easily perceived, for seeing the visible makes us understand the invisible. So then, this leaves everyone without excuse. Throughout history, the fingerprints of God were upon them. Yet they refused to honor him as God or even be thankful for his kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts, steeped in moral darkness. Although claiming to be wise, they were in fact shallow fools, for only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God 
to worship the fading image of other humans, idols made to look like made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. That is why God lifted off his restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion among themselves, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things God made rather than the God who made all things. Glory and praises to him forever and ever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to their disgraceful and vile passions. Inflamed with lust for one another, men and women ignored the natural order and exchanged normal sexual relations for homosexuality. Women engaged in lesbian conduct, and men committed shameful shameful acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their deviation. And because they thought it was worthless to embrace the true knowledge of God, God gave them over to the worthless mindset to break all rules of proper conduct. Their sinful lives became full of every kind of evil, wicked schemes, greed, and cruelty. Their hearts overflowed with jealous cravings, with conflict and strife, which drove them into hateful arguments and murder. They are deceitful liars, full of hostility. They are gossips. And he finishes that chapter. I read all of that because my friend and I would read it, and it was especially the portion when it talked about, for what can be known about God is plainly, plainly revealed in the Scripture. And it is so wonderful for us to see together. I wanted to read another portion from the 12th chapter of John, John 12, 20. I believe I've got it written down right. My friend had found such hope in God's creation. And the hope that he found in them was that when he looked at the creation and just would really ponder it, he said, all I could hear was God saying, see me, see me, son. And he found such hope in God's creation when times are especially difficult, such as the one we live in right now. My friend would often look at me and say, Tom, have you ever seen flocks of birds, hundreds of them, hundreds of thousands, and they all seem to move together in one flight. Why does that happen? Or he said, have you ever looked in an aquarium and watched a school of fish go and move in one movement as though something unseen was guiding them? He says, I see those things and I cannot help but praise God and say, thank you, Jesus. Once again, you're showing me that you are Lord of creation. The creation speaks of you. You have to deliberately choose to reject it because it's so obvious. He also talked about the seasons as they come and go. He was a great gardener and he loved to plant gardens, he said, and, and, and watch uh, 
plants grow and flourish and flower. And then he said they would eat the fresh fruit and stuff. And he just so much appreciated that. And in John's gospel, Jesus tells a beautiful story about a seed. A seed has to come and that seed has to die. And then he begins to tell us that's what happens to you and I. We've got to die like a seed. My friend years ago gave me an acorn. And in this acorn, he kind of laughed as he gave it to me. He said, now, Tom, do you realize that this acorn is an oak tree? And I had that acorn still sitting on my desk to this day. And that must have been 30 or 40 some years ago. But the point of it was, an oak tree does not look at all like an acorn. And I can remember on one occasion, we were living close to a place that had a big, beautiful uh, tree, an oak. And I took out that acorn and held it against that tree. And I kind of joined my friend who said when that happened to him, he would just begin to worship God. He said, can you believe in that acorn is a huge oak tree? Think of the parables that Jesus would tell about that. And then in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus would write his disciples and say to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. And in John's gospel, that picture was Jesus said, for that seed to prosper, it's got to drop into the ground and die to being a seed. And the root then goes down and then slowly coming up out of the earth comes the seed of the tree or whatever it is. I saw something like this years ago when we used to live in the Chicago area. It was made up building the Sears building and I would go downtown to visit friends and and it seemed as though every time I went down all they were doing was digging a big hole in the ground day after day after day after day you'd see dozens of trucks in and out moving the dirt until finally they hit the rock at the bottom of Chicago and and then it seemed with just a few weeks the whole building just <laughs> seem to grow right out of the ground. I thought of that. Lord, even in human construction, your principles are still true. Finally, I, the last little story I want to tell you is about my friend. Again, this friend who loved the creation, loved it so much that he saw it. And he said one day he was in his backyard and he was looking at the caterpillars. And he said, I was just so excited looking at them, waiting for a butterfly to appear. And he said, I sat on my back uh, porch and I had one particular caterpillar I kept looking at. He said, I would see some other caterpillars come out and fly away. But there's this one cat caterpillar that didn't seem to uh, <laughs> do it on time. And I began to get a little nervous about maybe I ought to help that caterpillar out of its shell so it can become a butterfly. And I watched it for several days, he said. 
And then finally, I couldn't stand it any longer. And I went in and got my pen knife, pen knife. And he said, very carefully, I held it in my hand, this little caterpillar, and cut open the rest of the shell that surrounded the caterpillar or surrounded the butterfly. And he said, as I did, its little wings began to come out and it opened and began to fly and fell to the ground dead. And he said, I just began to weep. He, he said, I began to see that in all things, there's a timing in God. And that caterpillar needed the struggle, needed the struggle because in the struggle of dying to be a caterpillar was the only way it could become a butterfly. And that's when my friend came back to that text that I just read out of Matthew. It says, unless a man dies, unless a man dies, Jesus says, come to me and die that you might live. So my prayer today is as we talk about the creation, seeing the glory of God in everything, seeing also that we are without excuse for what can be known about God is plainly revealed in the creation. So come to him. Don't be afraid to lay down your life. For Jesus says, what does it profit a man if you gain your whole soul and lose your life? Think of my friends once again out there in L.A. talking to that multi-billionaire who had everything and said, I have nothing. My prayer is that he will come to know Jesus. My prayer is that he will realize that prospering only has eternal value in Jesus. Let your soul prosper. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Dear brothers and sisters, I pray that as I tell you this little story about my friend and his love of the creation and how he just created that love even more in myself. So when I see a flock of geese here in Tulsa fly over and it seems as though they're in this beautiful V formation, how in the world did all that happen? God made it. It speaks of the glory of God all through the creation so that we are truly without excuse. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Great Creator. Word of God. Amen. This podcast is available for free download in iTunes and at moanministriesbookstore.com. Sarah Rahm's album, Days of Rain, is available on iTunes and most streaming platforms.